On this episode, we take a closer look at the headlines that don't make any sense, is Windows Phone really dead, and what the heck is going on with Windows 10 RTM data? This is the Redmond Report. Don't make any sense, is Windows Phone really dead, and what the heck is going on with Hello everybody. Hello and welcome to the Redmond Report. This is episode one. I am your host, Brad Sams, and let's get started. Seeing as this is episode one, um, the intent of this audio column is to help people get a better insight into the announcements made each week by Microsoft. The company is dynamic and it's undergoing a series of changes. Um, and under Nadella, they've pretty much done away with everything that Balmer has had. Um, it, it's a new Microsoft, it's a new world, it's a new agenda, it's a new business model, it's a new revenue model. It's just about everything is brand new. And so, um, I've been wanting to do something like this for, for quite some time, and I've been trying to figure out the best format, the best way to go about it. And it seems that doing it in this type of format is a good way to get started. And so here we are. This is the Redmond Report, where we are taking a device, or taking a closer look at the devices Microsoft is creating, and um, and the news that's been announced through a lens that not everybody gets to see. I've been, I've been covering Microsoft for about 10 years, um, pretty pretty frequently um, breaking news let's see and, and Zach points out he already stopped listening thanks for that Zach um, so Microsoft is going through a lot of changes and one of the changes that came out recently was Redstone um, I broke the news about Redstone Redstone is a follow-up to Windows 10 RTM which we'll talk about here in a little bit and so let's get started all right let's just kind of dig into the Microsoft news let's see what's going on there and I can provide a new perspective that isn't really thought about too much mostly because of I've got a lot of people up there talking to me and not everything can always be written um, sometimes it's a little too far out there I don't have enough sources to to verify it where I really want to put it concrete and sometimes it's just a little bit off and so trying to talk through some of these things help you get an understand paint a better picture of what's going on that's the point of this and i won't be doing this introduction every time but since this is episode one of hopefully many um you know let's let's just dive in here so this week was actually a very good week to start because microsoft per their usual in july their financial earnings or fiscal year ends um 6 30 so they tend to make a lot of changes this time of the year and this week, they actually announced that they are laying off 7,800 people. Um, that, that's a lot of people. That's a, that's a lot of heads. Um, and it, if you've ever gone through something like that, you will know the disdain of actually being told, hey, you don't have a job tomorrow. Um, I personally have been through something like that, and it's not a good thing. So when Microsoft announces that they're laying off 7,800 people, it, it hits pretty heavy. Um, and what they're doing is they're actually cutting out a lot of the Windows Phone group specifically coming from the uh, the uh, the purchase of Nokia. Um, and if you read some of the headlines, you'll get some misinformation here about what Microsoft bought and what they're laying off. But just know that the majority of it is coming through the Windows Phone group. It's because Nadella is making a pretty big change to what is going on. Uh, but before we even go through that, uh, Microsoft has actually cut a lot of people recently. If you go back a year ago, they announced that they were laying off 18,000 people. And that was over a year. That was not a simple, okay, here it is, 18,000 people, um, and we're done. And it's the same with this as well. So here's the issue with what they're doing. They're saying, okay, we're going to lay off 7,800 people. Not all of these people know yet. It's going to be one of those things that just kind of slowly happens, and then heads get cut. And so it, that creates an issue, because if you're working in this environment, that you might not have a job tomorrow. Um, are you really going to be doing your best work possible? Sure, you might be trying to, you know, 
get out of the way of the blade. Uh, but at the same time, being in an environment where heads are rolling um, is not a good place to be. It creates a hostile work environment. It doesn't allow you to do your best stuff, and it, it creates a lot of unnecessary tension. So think about what's going on inside Windows Phone right now. They just got told, hey, a bunch of people are going to leave. Um, we're cutting back what we're doing, and you may not have a job tomorrow. So you feel a little bit for these folks that are going on in, in the Windows Phone group and uh, what's happening. So let's kind of take a walk through what's going on here. Microsoft had been recently trying to shove out, well actually it, it was under Nokia. The current belief is that what Microsoft was doing was just the continued Nokia battle plan um, up until Nadella stepped in. So what's going on here is that Nokia slash Microsoft, they were pushing out phones at a ridiculous rate. They were pushing out like the 535, 525, 536, 538, 630, 625. There was all this stuff. There were so many phones coming out that it was actually creating a lot of confusion among consumers because every time a new phone come out, it would hit the wire and you wouldn't really know what was going on. And then you had bigger devices like the 1320 um, coming out that were big phones, but they weren't high-end phones. And then you had devices like the 640 and the 640XL, which were low-end phones, but big screens. So there's a lot of consumer confusion here. And the fact that Microsoft is dumping just so much money into this and consumers are not getting it, and that um, that they, they were not making the traction they needed. And they consider the US the benchmark. They won't admit this, but the US is the benchmark for their success. And so if they're not gaining traction in the US, they need to make changes. So that's what happened. This is exactly the narrative that took place. Nadella came in and said, hey, this model is not working. What are we gonna do? And so he looked at it. He said, okay, Elop's gotta go. His plan did not work. Why would I keep somebody in place whose strategy um, essentially tanked two companies? He took down Nokia with um, Windows Phone, and now he was bringing that baggage to Microsoft. And so Elop and some of, some of the other people were gone. That was the first big change. And what they're gonna do now is they're gonna have more consistent and more predictable release cycles. So the number that was thrown around was six devices. Um, that may fluctuate a little bit, but it's, that's significantly less. At one point, they were releasing probably about six phones a quarter uh, when you look at all this, the deviations of each model. So it's going to come down to this pr really predictable cycle. Um, you could say it's more Apple-like. I would probably draw a more parallel to maybe the, the Google Nexus line. And what they are going to be is... Um, targeted devices. They're going to have flagships, they're going to have entry level, and they're going to have, it's a very similar strategy, but it's a much reduced cycle of phone releases, which makes sense. And so when you reduce this output, you're left with overhead that you no longer need. And that's what we're seeing being cut, especially when you're in the manufacturing sector. There's a lot of heads um, that come with it. If you've ever looked at the margins of hardware, it, they're typically very bad. Apple is an outlier in this area, but even Apple is facing some pressure in other areas. So when you have low margins, high overhead, you have to do something. And so that's what they're doing. They're getting rid of some of this unnecessary overhead. So what this led to, and we'll, and we'll dig into this a little bit deeper, is that this wave, this really bad wave of press came out. And it was everyone and their mother was saying, Windows Phone is dead. And while I'm not super optimistic that Windows Phone is going to become this huge player in the ecosystem and that they're going to end up being um, like the next Android or whatever you want to call it, what they are going to do 
oh gosh, what, what they are going to do is they're stepping back and they're putting a lot of weight into phone continuum. And I say this with a little bit of education from what their internal thinking is. So phone continuum, if you're not familiar with it, essentially allows your phone to ask, act as a desktop PC. So where you can place it on um, a dock or whatever you want to call it, and you get this experience that's on the desktop. And what it looks like is it looks a lot like Windows RT um, to, to some extent, where you have your start menu and you have this limited world where you can only use apps. Um, you can't go and download Win32 because it's running off your phone. It's a really great idea. It really, really is. And so what they're doing with these universal apps is that so when you plug your phone in because it's a universal app it scales to a large screen this is a really cool feature the problem with it is is that others have tried um, there was the motorola atrix for example and they failed now i'm not necessarily thinking microsoft is going to fail at this but this is a very forward looking idea right so you have to say all right my phone is everything i need for the corporation, this is good. This could work out very well for salespeople and people who don't need heavy processing power. The phone is everything. The problem they are in right now is that they're in this awkward stage where their phone hardware and their phone software is not well respected. They don't have a lot of apps in that environment either. So as it stands right now, phone continuum is the future, in my opinion, of Windows Phone. The problem is that future is not here yet, so Microsoft needs to make some adjustments so that it survives long enough in this environment that it gets to when phone continuum can truly be a replacement. I mean, if you think about it, for somebody who's a marketer, um, they don't really need a lot of horsepower, especially salespeople out in the field. Imagine your, imagine your cell phone running a really powerful chip in about two to three years, and Microsoft has already, um, they didn't leak them, but some devices or accessories came out that essentially allow you to dock your phone basically through NFC and Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So you just put on this little puck, it connects to a monitor, keyboard, and mouse, and you sit down and you have a, a desktop experience. For somebody who doesn't need a lot of horsepower, like a salesperson, this is perfect. They have their phone in their pocket. Whenever they go to an office, whether let's just use like um, a company, let's just use like Microsoft, for example, Microsoft has offices all over, they have salespeople all over, you walk into one office, you drop your phone on the puck, you sit down at what people generally call hoteling, which is just kind of like a revolving desk, nobody owns it, whoever sits down gets it, you put your phone on that puck. And there you go, you have your whole computing environment, you go to another office, you can just pick your phone up and walk out like it is. And there you go, you drop down your puck and you're done. And so this phone continuum, I'm really, really bullish on. The problem is we're not there yet. And Microsoft knows this. And so they're making adjustments to make sure that they get there. So don't write off Windows Phone. I know there's a lot of people saying it's dead. Um, I don't think it's dead. And I don't think it's on a hiatus. I just think Microsoft is removing that it's, okay, we're going to be the third player to being, we're just going to make sure our device is out there. And when the market's ready for what we have, that's when we're really, really going to move. So just kind of keep that in mind as you see the hardware that's coming, because CityMan and TalkMan are going to be the first wave of these devices. And my personal opinion is they will not be astronomical sellers. But what they're going to do is they're going to start laying the foundation for this phone continuum. And so when this phone continuum starts to take off and this idea is is coming to fruition, Microsoft already has a leg up over Android and iOS in this space. So just remember that. Remember that Microsoft is making a long play here. They're not abandoning the short term, but they're cutting back dramatically in how they're taking this approach. And this is a pretty well-educated insight into what they're doing. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. So Windows Phone. 
<laughs> it's fun. It's really fun to talk about Windows Phone because it's such, for Microsoft, um, especially under the Balmer era, can be defined by money wins, in my opinion. And that was his mentality, is that you could come into any market, specifically, let's go look at the Xbox for a second. Microsoft was a late incumbent, whatever you want to call it, to that market. There was Nintendo, Sony, and Sega, and here comes Microsoft. And my, if you go back and find the articles, which can be a little bit hard to do, everyone was thinking Microsoft was not going to be able to get into this market. It was a really tough play. Microsoft, they're not a gaming company, whatever. Um, and the Xbox did all right. And the Xbox 360, I believe, by most accounts, kind of won that market. Now, the Xbox One is struggling a little bit because they had a, a bad focus. But Bomer got this thick-headed idea that you can go into any market because it's Microsoft. You can just throw a bunch of money at it. And that's essentially what he tried to do with Windows Phone. They, they did a reboot, which I believe is the correct maneuver. But then developers didn't come. So what they do, they threw money at developers. The developers still didn't come. Like the, the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook, um, I believe were all built by third parties, not actually built by the apps developers themselves. Like if you go look at Instagram today, it's still in beta because Instagram had somebody else build it or Microsoft had somebody else build it, presented to Instagram. They said, okay, we'll look at this. And the market share was so small that Instagram said, why, why are we gonna support this? It doesn't make sense. Snapchat, same thing. Um, Twitter along the same lines, Twitter, but Twitter has been slightly better. But so you were in this area where you could just money wins, but unfortunately money no longer wins. And that's how Microsoft got into the position it is with Windows Phone. And then Nokia was saying, um, well, they, they started to flirt with going to Android. And that's when Balmer stepped in and thought, okay, money wins. I'm going to buy this company or I'm going to buy this division. And it flopped. If you need any sort of proof that Nadella <clears throat> would not have bought them, it's because he wrote it off. Not only did he write off the full purchase price, they bought for 7.2 and the write down was 7.8. He also wrote off the acquisition um, overhead cost as well. So that's a pretty big deal that Nadella is just saying, you know what? Nope, we're done. I wouldn't have done this. This was a mistake and we're going to go on our own path now. And he has taken full control of Microsoft. Don't, don't let anybody else fool you into thinking that. Nadella now owns Microsoft in all aspects. Um, Balmer's ways are gone. He has given Terry Myerson more power. And here we go. So, so that's a little bit about Windows Phone, just kind of where they're at and what they're going. So when you read the headlines, keep Phone Continuum in the back of your mind because that's the future and that's where they're going. Oh, so that's Windows Phone. Let's jump ship here to uh, another big product that's going on this week, uh, Windows 10. So uh, a little bit of background about myself with Windows 10, if you're not familiar with who I am and what I've done. So Windows 10 really started to make news um, about a year ago, actually, is when I started um, writing a lot about Windows 10. Uh, at the time, it was called Windows Threshold. Um, like many other people, I was calling it Windows 9, Windows Threshold. We didn't really know um, about what Microsoft was going to call it, that the 9 issue of they can't call it Windows 9 because of 95 and 98, I believe, by all respects, is, is true. And so that's why they jumped to 10. So about a year ago, uh, is when I started writing about things like the virtual desktops, the start menu is coming back, Cortana is going uh, to be on the taskbar, and that Microsoft is pretty much trying to get as far away as it can from Windows 8 minus the live tiles. And that, that's pretty much what happened. So lo and behold, Microsoft has had an extremely public 
beta process, um, one of the most public beta process I've ever seen for their operating system. And you got to give Gabe some credit. I, I like to bust on Gabe as much as I can, just because at this point I consider him a good friend. Whenever we're around town, we hang out. Um, he delivers everything right back at me. He loves to make fun of me, and rightfully so. And Gabe has taken on a tough position of being the front man. And up front, it was kind of hard to get builds out quickly because of the, the development process. But now that they are stream running, or stream rolling, I should say, is... Uh, Gabe's really got it under control now. He's in. I think Gabe has found his groove, if you want to call it that. He's gotten confident with, with, with his role of being this public-facing person. He's extremely um, helpful. He's an extremely polite individual. He's very smart, and it, he's a good fit for this role. And he's also got some thick skin. By the way, if you've never met Gabe, um, he's actually very big. I am about six two. I would venture to guess Gabe is maybe six four. He's a very tall and big guy. Um, not somebody you would go up to and just, you know, just slap him around a little bit. He's He can be a little intimidating in person if you don't know him. Um, definitely looks like a linebacker, maybe a fullback, maybe fullback or tight end. Not so much a linebacker. But um, yeah, Gabe's a great guy. And so he's kind of just been running with this stuff and he's been helpful. He's been helping the community. And so last week was the last week out yeah, they rolled out three builds of windows 10 which makes sense because microsoft is in the final stretches of getting windows 10 ready to go to manufacturing and not only manufacturing but to consumers um, the os will be delivered at the end of this month so what is going on inside the world of microsoft right now i can tell you what's not happening sleep Sleep is not happening at Microsoft for a lot of these engineers. Not every engineer, but the people on the Windows 10 team who are fighting to get this thing signed off, they are definitely not sleeping. Um, mostly because they have to get this thing signed off. And, and if you're not familiar with the Windows 10 sign-off, or, or really any Microsoft sign-off process, um, it's more than just a formal affair. There's a lot of testing that goes on. They have engineering and testing labs that try to run through every single scenario. And they do the best they can in these scenarios or in these testing environments. They look at the telemetry from groups like the Windows Insider. If you are an insider, thank you for that because you're helping shape Windows 10. And what happens is they get a build through and then it goes to each of the core teams. And then that core team, per my understanding, has to again sign off on their particular aspect of Windows 10. And so then it goes around the block, it goes through all the core teams, and then it makes its way up to management and they look at everything and then they give a final sign off. So what's been happening these past couple weeks, if you've been looking at BuildFeed, um, that's a great site by the way that kind of gives you just an update of what the current build numbers are, you'll see that they're jumping a lot. And that's because if you look out there, and I believe this is to be true, um, that a build has to be divisible by 16. So they're, they're doing a lot of jumping around right now, and they're big jumps, which to the outsider tells us that yes, they are in the final stretches here. And what they do is they will gather, let's just say three builds, and they will say these three builds are possible release candidates. Then they run them through all the tests, and they try to pick one. If, if one of them doesn't work, then they have to go do it again. And as of last week, at about last Friday, um, I got a notification from a source that said they are trying to sign off. Um, Andy Bennett says, I'm the only one in the chat. Yeah, the chat didn't work out as well as I had hoped. Um, I was hoping you could, we could actually embed it on Neo. And um, if anyone has any chat recommendations, we can certainly go from there. But you can jump into the chat room, um, I believe, through the widget on Neo. But anyway, so they, uh, they, they choose these builds. 
and let's see so they choose these builds and they try to run through it and last week i got a message saying they were going to try to sign off on the ninth and apparently i was not the only one who got this uh, wazer or however you pronounce his name also wrote <clears throat> the ninth and then um tom warren over at the verge who used to work uh, with me at new in here also said the ninth and i had the ninth so this was not just some artificial okay the ninth is it it was actually supposed to try to happen on the ninth um on wednesday evening <clears throat> i got a message that says it's not going to happen and so that's why it was they they ran all the builds through and what kicked out was not in play now this is where it gets a little bit more interesting i guess so after i had written the post yesterday that says in the middle of next week which is actually the 15th was the date that i was told um, which is next wednesday i got a message from a couple different people that said the 15th was actually the date all along um so it, it's a little bit confusing because the 9th um I, I was fairly the source that provided the information i should say sources that provided the information on the 9th um, they were people in the know this was not some random date and then the 15th came along and so then we had the 15th and that's why i wrote yesterday that um yeah it's not coming and so right now they're currently revamping some of the issues that had bugs i believe they just seeded build 10224 uh internally at microsoft to everybody which again don't expect anything new in these builds these even though it's a big jump in numbers what they're doing is they're isolating these issues they're trying to isolate these very core key scenarios that are causing these kickouts. Um, I have a rough idea of what some of them are, but I don't want to speculate and, and create more confusion. But they're trying to isolate these areas, and then they're going to run some mill mill more builds through. Actually, if you can do some creative Twitter searching, you'll find Microsoft engineers who are going to be working on Saturday and Sunday um, just based on their tweets, because when things are compiling, they have um, downtime, and you can find out this information. And also, to everybody who's chatting, it does pop up on my screen, so I can definitely see what you guys are saying if you have any questions and whatnot. So they were back in the trenches trying to smash these bugs and trying to get them to RTM. So what happens when things hit RTM? That's, that's somebody actually got me to ask this question, and I've been doing this long enough. I just became dense to the idea that people knew what RTM meant. RTM, all that simply means is that they're sending it to manufacturing. They said, okay, this build is locked. It's feature locked. This is what we're going to ship. And what that means is that if you go buy, let's say, a new Dell laptop, um, which, by the way, I have a Dell XPS 13, the, the top end, it's a fantastic machine. If you need a new Windows 10 machine, that is my personal recommendation is the Dell XPS 13. Um, really, I think you can go either way uh, with 1080p or the, the Quad HD or whatever it is, Quad 4K thing. Um, not too up to date on my marketing terms. It's a fantastic machine. But anyways, so if you would buy that machine and open it, let's just say um, August 22nd, that RTM build that they're going to sign off on hopefully next week will be on that machine or any other machine. And so what happens after RTM is that Microsoft then has to move to a patching model. So when they sign off on RTM, then they have to go through the process of patching. Now, Microsoft is good for the most part at patching, and Windows 10 has some creative things to do for it um, to help improve that. But it's a lot easier to make these bug fixes when you have the whole stack at your disposal rather than saying, okay, now we have to go and update it rather than recompile. So 
this is why they're trying to get everything done. It's going to make their life a little bit easier. But if they can't, they can sign off on this and then give themselves. Um, so, sorry, somebody popped up. Said, "Well, is this going to mean OEMs are going to miss their schedules?" Um, I don't believe so. So we got to go back to some creative wording here in a second. But once they sign off, they do the patching, and um, that's just the way it rolls. So somebody asked if the delay here, which I'm not entirely sure it's a delay, is going to affect OEM scheduling. Um, so Terry Meyerson made a very interesting blog post last week. He actually said that on the 29th, he's like, okay, yeah, we're going to release Windows 10 on the 29th, but um, everyone's not going to get it that day. And it was kind of baffling because you're thinking Microsoft's not going to deliver Windows 10 to everybody in that day? Nope. They're going to roll it out to insiders, which essentially is giving them more time, if you think about it. It's just a convoluted way. Insiders are used to dealing with crap builds. Uh, not that this one's going to be crap, but Microsoft is essentially delaying things, even if it's just by a couple days or so. They're going to do the much more strategic and staged rollout of Windows 10, uh, which essentially buys them more time. If they notice an issue during the rollout, they can again delay it. They know what your the system specs are your, of your machine. Um, if you read the announcement carefully, they said if your drivers or certain hardware is not up to the optimal experience, they're actually going to give you the contact information to go yell at the OEM or the vendor or whoever. So Microsoft knows exactly what type of hardware you have, and they know exactly the type of experience you're going to have with Windows 10. So what they're doing is essentially just a staged planned rollout but 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 they know what hardware you have so if you have a crap machine based on their standards you're not going to get windows 10. so it's going to be really interesting that they're buying themselves more time on these non-optimal scenarios and that's what the Myerson blog post was about and some people didn't pick up on that but that's really it's a it's not delaying the OEM experience. It's not delaying Windows 10 per se. It's delaying Windows 10 in these defined poor experience environments, which is a good thing because they couldn't do this previously. Um, but as Jan writes, he says, the ne next big update comes in October, correct? Uh, makes sense they will launch Windows 10 Mobile and added Skype messaging feature that will be missing. Yes, he is exactly right. So there's a, a threshold update. It's currently called Threshold 2. It's Wave 2 that is part of the features, and I say part carefully, uh, features that did not make it into um, the release that's going to happen this month. And Skype messaging is a perfect example. Skype really dropped the ball. Um, I got some good information about this, that they basically threw up a mock-up and said, this is what we're going to do. And then they went back and sat down, and the term somebody told me was the crushing reality of Windows 10 development um, brought Skype back down to earth that they could not get this done in time, which is why they put out this blog post, I think it was January 21st or 22nd, and they said, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to have all this stuff. And it's never been heard of again. Microsoft didn't want to talk to me about it, but you kind of can corner them because they already went public with it. But yes, there is going to be another update, and it's going to be called Threshold 2 internally. They're not talking... Um, really what they're going to name it. I don't expect it to be called Windows 10.1 or anything like that. And then they're going to do the same thing with Redstone. This appears to be the pattern. So Redstone is the next kind of large update to Windows. And the first target for it is June 2016 and October 2016. Um, fun fact for you, Windows 10 was originally supposed to launch 
Irby signed off in June. That was their initial target as of, I believe, around the December and November timeline. They picked January. Um, they're not too far off. If they sign off this week, they're only about two weeks late of their initial announcement. But um, that's Microsoft for you. So that's Redstone. That's Threshold 2. And yes, um, Skype, per the comments, Skype did drop the ball. I don't know about what they're going to do with the ISOs for, w for Windows 10. I don't foresee them dropping them right away. Um, although they might, because you're going to be able to buy it retail, which I would assume is going to be some sort of ISO. It's going to have to be some sort of direct install medium um, for you to just uh, be able to go buy the hardware. So that's Windows 10. And they did drop a new build this week, actually. They, they put out 10166, um, which, so here's another interesting fact. I know that one Z, I believe it was 10164, Microsoft employees were asked to test extra hard. So that, um, that build, I don't want to say was necessarily maybe an RTM candidate, but that was one that they were certainly considering maybe putting through the ringer at Microsoft. It's... Um, it was more so asked to test heavily than a traditional release because they get uh, what a lot of people call canary builds or daily builds. But when 164 came out, they were said, okay, you know, pay a lot of attention to this one because that's what uh, they're getting close. They're getting really, really close here. They don't have much time. I mean, you figure people who are writing reviews, such as myself, we got to start thinking about how um, we're going to do this, what build we're going to use. Um, and on that front, I'm not too sure how much, um, if there's going to be any big like Windows 10 parties. I haven't been hearing much on that end. Uh, they, they have done these things in the past, but I would not expect some sort of like grand hoo-ha of an event um, for Windows 10, um, which kind of leads me, I'm going to just kind of roll into this one a little bit, Surface Pro 4. So I, I don't want it to get too speculative on this, um, but a post came out um, from an Italian blog. Um, I retweeted it or I linked to it in a tweet that said the Surface Pro 4 might be coming at the end of this month or end of um, August. So I will tell you what I've heard and you can do with it what you want. Um, I've heard from at least three different people that there is some sort of marketing ramp up towards the end of August. So take that as you will. I don't know much else about it. It could be all Windows 10. It could have nothing to do with the Surface Pro 4. But there is a marketing push coming around the October and September timeframes. And if you remember last year, the Surface Pro 3, all of the models launched in August. So that's kind of the Surface Pro 4. Um, I would not buy a Surface Pro 3 right now. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic machine. There is nothing wrong with it if you can get a good value on one. But I suspect that they might be, um, they're going to have to do something here. Either cut the price dramatically because it is running the older chip, or they're going to have to come out with a new model. And Surface is actually doing quite well. Um, they did hit a billion dollars the quarter before, uh, or the quarter of Christmas time, the holiday shopping season. So they did hit a billion dollars. And that's a lot of Surface inventory movement. Even if they're not making a ton of money, um, I do believe they are in the positive or close to it, and there it's a much surface is in a much much much. And I can't I can't stress this enough. Surface is in a much healthier position um, compared to Windows Phone. So it's not the forgotten child that that Windows Phone is. 
Um, but keep an eye out on Surface. I think there's, we're starting to see some stuff. And you got the Surface Hub um, as well, which is a cool device. I'm actually trying to do an unboxing. I'm, I'm seeing if Microsoft can help me out here. Like the 84-inch weighs over 300 pounds. They're not going to ship me one. Um, at least I don't think so. But I do have a nice wall it could hang on if anyone from Microsoft is listening. But I'd love to do an unboxing because it's such a huge machine. Like this thing just comes in a crate. Like it's a it's a crate. <laughs> it's not a box. So it'd be like the uncrating of a Surface Hub. Um, oh, here's a really good question. Jan is just on fire in the chat room. So what's the, what's happening with Windows RT? <laughs> so I love I love to ask Microsoft about Windows RT. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't really think there's many people using Windows RT. Their Surface Two. I do have a Surface Two Illumia twenty five twenty. Um, the twenty five twenty was actually. It still is a great tablet. I'm, I'm kind of sad to see that heritage just go away. Um, but if you ever really want to get under the skin of Microsoft really, really easily, just ask them, ask them about a future update for Windows RT. Because Windows RT is it's the Sanofsky of Windows that's left. Now there's, I think the idea of Windows RT is, was good. I think they had terrible marketing. They had terrible execution. And their biggest flaw with Windows RT was that the Microsoft Store never materialized into anything. So you had this defined device that really can only run Office and, and some bad apps um, or some scammy apps at the same time too. But anyways, um, I have no idea what's going on with Windows RT. They keep promising this update. They keep t saying it's coming soon, but they're not talking about what's going on. Um, I know that the people who are delegated to work on Windows RT are not the most thrilled people at the moment because they know they're working on a product and an update that's not going to be used by many but Microsoft is in this bad position of saying, okay, we're gonna support this. Oh crap, it didn't work out. Windows RT is, a, is functionally dead. They're not gonna do much after this other than critical support updates. And all of a sudden they have to do something, but they can't do everything. And Windows 10 is not coming to it. So they're gonna give it some new features, um, but who really knows exactly what they are going to do there. And then other interesting things that happened this week was Groove Music. Kind of came out of nowhere, actually. Uh, makes a bit of sense. But Microsoft made a pretty big decision. If you weren't following along too closely, Groove Music is replacing Xbox Music. And actually, they confirmed online that it's eventually just going to be Groove. They're going to drop the music branding, but right now they're trying to build it up. So Joe Belfiore tweeted at me, and said the reason they did this was that there was confusion that Xbox music meant you had to have Xbox. And so the consumers, bless their little hearts, um, said, I don't have an Xbox. Why do I need Xbox music? Or I, I shouldn't buy that. And, and it was just a lot of confusion. So what they're doing is they're rebranding it as Groove. And they're pretty much taking, um, was it Don Matrick who introduced the idea that Xbox is an entertainment brand, and now they're taking Xbox back to its core. Xbox is pretty much just pure gaming at this point now. There's no music, there's no entertainment, it's just they've rolled those out, which I think is the right move. Xbox is a good gaming brand. And so here we are with Groove Music, and why this actually is makes sense, and the reason why they didn't just dump it um, actually becomes a lot more clear. So they want Windows 10 to be on a billion machines in the next uh, two to three years, which I think they'll hit because it's not a very ambitious goal when you consider that there's 300 million PCs a year they're giving away for free. Um, anywho, so you have Xbox or Groove Music is going to be on 
or shipping or preloaded, whatever you want to call it, on a billion machines within the next three years. A billion machines. Now, not everybody will be able to purchase Xbox music, but let's just say half of them can't. Let's just say 500 million people do. If they can get 1%, they can get 5 million people signed up for Groove Music. Think about that. They're going to they're gonna have this app on a billion machines. Why would they dump it now? Now would probably be the worst time to dump it because they're going to interject this app onto a billion machines. So that's why I, I believe they're not actually spinning it off or just getting rid of it, even though it's not a really core to Microsoft. But here's the other reason why, I think, too. So Windows 10 is free for everybody upgrading. While they're not charging for anything, they do need to make money. Um, they are a profitable business here. So what they're going to do is they're going to have all these little things like you have Microsoft Wi-Fi, which just went live, which is a premium product that's in there. You have Office 365 that's shipping with it. You have Skype that's shipping with it. You have this music app that's shipping with it. You have an app store that's shipping with it. This is how Microsoft plans to make revenue. And so they can't spin off a product now that could potentially bring it in. Uh, we haven't seen too much Xbox Live push for it, but I bet we'll start seeing that soon too uh, with Xbox 2. Uh, or sorry, with Windows 10. So just kind of keep that in mind. They do need to make money, and I think Groove is one option, they hope, and they already have all the licensing agreements in place, and I think it makes sense for them to keep it right now, although I, if it does not work well, it would not surprise me to see them spin it off in the relative near future. I wouldn't say, like, tomorrow or anything. And so let's kind of talk about HoloLens here for a second, uh, because Microsoft, bless, bless their little hearts, or bless their little marketing hearts here, came out with another video trying to give a better expectation of the field of view of HoloLens. So because of the way Microsoft worked, at the January event, they locked down everything. We were actually wearing dev units, and the field of vision and I, I tried to look back at my notes as much as possible, because I did try to like write this stuff down, um, was markedly better than what we experienced at Build. And I was not the only one saying this. And so clearly what happened is between the dev units and getting it into a more consumer viable product or even enterprise viable product, they had to make some uh, changes. And one of those is the field of view. And a funny little accolade from that Build event. So I was, after the Build event, I was hanging out in the lobby talking with uh, just some friends and Alex Kitman comes walking out and he was by himself and so of course I, I go start talking to him and it's the first time in my life that I've ever actually seen a Microsoft employee and a Wagner Edstrom which is Microsoft's preferred PR group um, run because <laughs> they I had Kitman not cornered I mean it was casual conversation but they ran over and then just stood there just to ask what I was talking about and Kitman made um, a couple points he said they spent a considerable amount of time making sure people did not get nauseated from wearing HoloLens. Like when I actually asked the question, he laughed um, because of the amount of time that they put in to uh, make sure that nobody was going to vomit from this thing. And then I also asked about the field of view, and he would not comment on specifics. They were not talking any specifics. I mean, other than they would say, yes, this is a red tab and it's made out of gray and glass and holographics. But what they, what he did say is that it, it's a complex process to move things out of your direct line of sight because essentially what they've done is think of a movie projector they turned it around and are shooting it into your into your ball eyeball and so it's a very complex process to get things out of line of sight it's more intense math and he didn't specifically say it but i think that 
there's issues when you're trying to shoot light into the corner of your eye and make sure that you can understand what's there because it, if you if you take your finger and put it in your peripheral right now um, you can't see that color if you've never you've never heard this before go go get a sharpie and put it over there and without knowing the color if you can do it you, you can't tell your brain just kind of interpolates and knows okay that's my finger over there or that's a red marker and then says okay that's red so think about when they're doing that with the hololens they and it's also out of focus too so it's not just some trivial process to expand the, the field of view, but what's, what's important to know here is that HoloLens is version one of doing something crazy, right? It's not, uh, what is Jenna saying here? For FOV issue, the problem is lack of computing power, then they must give us the option to tether from a PC. I don't think that's gonna be their intent. So they don't want you to tether for a multitude of reasons because they don't want this to be a sit at your desk device. Where they're going to take HoloLens first, and I think where they're going to be successful, is in the enterprise up front. Um, it actually makes a lot of sense for architects, anybody who does design work, anybody who does any sort of modeling. HoloLens, regardless of the field of view, is beneficial day one. Where I think Microsoft is getting into a little bit of trouble is when they're showing gaming. Gaming is not ready from day one, in my opinion. The, 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 the Minecraft demos that I have done, they're great, don't get me wrong, and they're really neat, but they're not and they are immersive but i don't think they're ready at least what we were shown for prime time because of the field of view issue but when you get into a project that does not require a field of view um, being wide where you can focus on narrow aspects like an architect or even surgery for that matter imagine and they started to show this if you have a person standing and a doctor has an mri they can put the hololens on and actually you know look up and down the person and see the mri they don't need a wide field of view for that kind of stuff which is why i think the hololens is going to be a big play into the enterprise world first like they were trying to get it up, uh, rigged up with nasa until the the tragedy of the rocket exploding thankfully no lives lost but some two pairs of hololens bit the dust probably the first two that have been destroyed um but i think the hololens version one is going to be an enterprise play mostly and i think Consumers will pick them up, but I don't think it's going to be a great consumer play. Until we get into version 2 and version 3 for, you know, just like anything else, smaller, lighter, faster, stronger, and in this case, wider field of view. Um, HoloLens, in my opinion, is the future. I can very much see how I could replace a computer screen with a HoloLens. When they get the, the resolution high enough and everything else, um, HoloLens is going to be a game changer. M mark my words, it will eventually be a game changer. It's not going to be tomorrow. Um, but it's, it's going to get there. So HoloLens is cool. I don't, I, at this time, I would not plan on buying one. Um, that's my personal opinion. I, do, I would not plan on buying one. I suspect they're not gonna be cheap either. I'm guessing they're probably over $1,000. Um, I don't know, that's pure guessing on my part, but they're not gonna be cheap. And my intent would not be to buy one until they come up with version two. Um, or at least until I get to play with the production model, if they can fix that field of view. But um, yeah, so that's a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on there with Microsoft. Um, so I want to clarify a bad headline this week. It came out by Forbes, came out by a couple other people, and this is kind of the reason why I wanted to start this whole audio column podcast thing. Is <laughs> They said Windows 10 is only going to be supported on devices for two to four years. Um, that is wrong. That is that is not correct. So the, where this information came from is actually something I reported, I don't know, like the end of June. Microsoft is changing the revenue model for Windows 10. 
So what they're doing, because Windows is a service, and what they mean by that is it's ongoing updates. So it's Windows 10 comes out today, and then in October, you're going to get new features, and next June, you're going to get new features. Because of how accounting and the finance works, Microsoft can't recognize the revenue on day one. And this gets a little technical into the revenue side, but fortunately, I have an accounting background. So when you let's just say you pay, what is it, 100 bucks um, for a Windows 10 on day one or whatever the price is. Yes, that Microsoft will take all your cash and they'll put it in their bank account. But from a financial reporting perspective, they cannot recognize that Windows 10 has fully materialized. What that means is that on day one, they can only recognize a portion of that $100. Let's just say $25. And then in October, when they release new features, they can recognize another $25. And then same thing with June, and same thing again with October with Redstone. June and October of the following year with Redstone. They can recognize another $25 of that sale. It's purely on paper. And so what these sites did was they made the jump to conclusion that when Microsoft said that they were going to recognize revenue two to four years, and, and my gut tells me that the two years is probably for upgrade, four years is probably new purchase, that's just kind of, I'm hedging here, is that Microsoft is only going to provide updates for two to four years. That, that is not what they are saying. That is a pure financial statement maneuver so that after four years they can say they fully recognize the revenue of your purchase of Windows 10. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with life cycle and has nothing to do with anything else. It's purely a financial reporting mechanism so that Microsoft is in compliance with the SEC because you don't want to piss off the SEC because they will fine you harder than the EU. Actually, that's not true. The EU will fine you harder than the SEC because <laughs> uh, they come down in like the billions of dollars and the SEC is usually in like the hundreds of millions of dollars. So if you see that, it's wrong. Uh, Microsoft has said time and time again, lifetime of the device. And even in some of their documentation, they acknowledge that it is up to the consumer to decide what the life cycle of the device is. Uh, Microsoft is not in this game to screw you over, even though they are a corporation out to make money. We've already talked about how they want to make money other ways. But Microsoft does not want to soil their reputation by doing something like this. Now, if 10 years go by and Windows 11 comes out or whatever they decide to do, yeah, they might charge then, but per their words, the updates to Windows 10, the features are not gonna be charged for after you obtain a valid license, either through the upgrade, your free upgrade, through buying it or anything else. So just kind of put that FUD to the side. Same with, um, there's also some Windows Phone dead headlines rolling about, which, those are just dramatization of a shift in strategy. So so this has been, that's kind of all I wanted to run through today. This has been the first episode. Um, I'd, I'd love some feedback, to be honest. I hope to do this every week around 11.30. I wanted to do it today, but there was actually some embargo news. The Power BI stuff came out today. If you're into Power BI, it's um, exiting preview on July 24th. Uh, which, speaking of, I don't want to end it, never mind now that I think about that. July is a freaking huge month for Microsoft. They have, let's see, Power BI stuff. They have Windows 10 coming out. And they have Visual Studio all dropping within like five days of each other. A significant portion of their enterprise apps are getting revamped in the month of July. Just think about that. That's kind of crazy. Um... So in July, big month for Microsoft on the enterprise segment, big month on the consumer side. And so here we go. 
watch out for July. It's going to be ramping up, um, and there and that's how that's how Microsoft July is shaping up. Um, next week, next week we'll have a lot. I'm actually traveling to New York for a bit. If anybody's in the New York area, I will be there from let's see Tuesday through uh, through the fourth or through Thursday. So to Tuesday, when Tuesday and Wednesday, I can definitely try to meet Wednesday afternoons booked. But if you're in the New York area, let me know. Maybe we can do something. Um, I believe I'm going to meet up with my friend Paul throughout. Mary Jo will be down at Windows Partner Conference. But So here we go, guys. This is Redmond Report, Episode 1. Let me know if you have any feedback. I hope to do this every week. Try to get some more clarity into the world of Microsoft. Give you another listening option. I do highly recommend Windows Weekly. Um, Paul and Mary Jo do a great job over there. and I'm, I'm good friends with them and highly respect what they do. They do an excellent job. And I hope that this just adds another layer of Microsoft content. Um, I feel that Microsoft is pretty well underrepresented in the market compared to Apple. So here we go, guys. Episode one is a wrap, and thanks for listening.